After a few embarrassing losses at home, the Ducks begin their long East Coast road trip against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I can't do this alone, so I'll be joined by Hunter Hodes from Locked on Penguins to preview tonight's tilt at PPG Paints Arena. All of this on today's episode of Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Your Locked on Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this crossover edition of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Penguins. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, and to my right, Komsa, is Hunter Hodes from Locked On Penguins. Hunter, how goes it, buddy? It's going good. You know, it's a nice Sunday evening here, and the Penguins will try to get back to their winning ways on Monday as they return home after a very unfortunate back-to-back this weekend where they did not get a single point. I got a feeling they will. They will. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just going to get it out of the way. First off, welcome to this crossover. And, you know, you can find both of our podcasts on, let's see, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey. Amazon, YouTube. Am I forgetting anything? No. Nope. All square nope. there? Yeah. I think we're thanks, all good. Yeah, thanks for making us your first listen. All right, let's get into it. Ducks Pens are playing Monday night at the Not-So-Igloo in Pittsburgh. Oh, I miss I miss that place. Um, the Ducks right now are in the midst of one of their worst streaks in the last three, four years. Can I tell you how the Ducks have done their last three games? Just to just to twist the knife on myself a little bit. Last I checked on them, JD, they had one regulation win in thirty something games. I believe it's up to four now. Um, what have been, what has gone on the last few games though? I'll tell you. They lost to Boston. You ready for these scores? They lost to Boston seven to one. They lost to the Oilers six to two, and they lost to the Devils six to two. All of those were home games, by the way. I should point out that Boston Bruins game had a hat trick for pasta. And there was a few dozen hats on the ice. It was like 60% Bruins fans at the pond wow. for that game. So that's just painful. Yeah. You would think this should be setting up for the Penguins to coast. But, you know, this is there's no such thing as that in, in, in Pittsburgh here. Especially when they are very banged up. They're not playing well, and you know it's just a rest, almost a recipe for disaster. But you know this is a team that badly needs a win, and I'm just surprised at how the Ducks are this year because had a decent off season. They signed John Klingberg. Now I think last I checked, they're asking for a first in return for him, which right now I would say good luck because I think that's going to go down by the time the deadline rolls around. Maybe but, a second. Maybe a second at yeah. this point. <laughs> I just didn't see this level of regression coming because, you know, they were okay last year, kind of in the race, especially at the race at the start, trended downhill, made some decent moves. You have a young core. Mm-hmm. What has gone wrong for them this season where they barely can win any games, especially in regulation? I mean, I'm going to point to the one obvious thing that everybody's been pointing to, and it's coaching. I mean, you don't take that kind of team – and turn it around with Dallas Eakins still there. You just yeah. don't, which goes into a whole other discussion about 
why did the Ducks bring back Eakins for another season? Mm-hmm. I mean, is the tank really that much on? At this point, I would say, yeah, it's pretty much a done deal. The Ducks are not going to make the playoffs at this point <laughs> with 39 games left. They would have to go, last time I checked, they would have to go 32-7 and seven the rest of the way to make the so, playoffs. Pull a Boston who's 32-4-4 and four and four or close to that, basically. Yeah, that's not happening. That is yeah. not happening, folks. Just going to put it out there right now. Especially with the regression that Klingberg has had, the regression that Strom has had, the regression, I mean, not even a huge regression, but Frank Vetrano, he's regressed a little bit as well. I mean, I'm sure you're somewhat glad to have those two off of the Rangers, off of the division. But Vetrano to... especially, he was basically Jordan Eberle part two. He's Every time the Penguins would play against the Rangers, regular season playoffs, or any time Frank Vetrano was on the opposite side, goal against Penguins. You could go on to FanDuel, Play say anytime goal score on Frank Vetrano, it's it's a free cash. Every we, can't, time. We, we can't talk about them yet. <laughs> that, that's a little spoiler, folks. We can't talk about them yet. Hmm. Not but in California go, at least. Only not, in Pennsylvania, other states. Yeah, you want to bet? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure you were glad to have those two gone to Anaheim. But does that mean they're going to score against the Pens this time? All signs are pointing to no. They are right now. Because of the regression, because of how they have fared in that line, especially second or in some cases third line. We just haven't seen the production from those guys. The only production for the Ducks has been the top line, and that's it. It's been Troy Terry, Adam Henrique, and Trevor Zegras. That's it. And Z's been sick. I mean, Zegras missed the Disney Day for crying out loud. I mean, he had to have been sick enough to not go to Disney Day last week. So, yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, that's, yeah, I'm sure he'll be good to go for this game, I'm, I would think, right? Yeah, I I, I'm sure he's okay. Maybe not still 100%, but I'm sure he'd be okay to play. Whether yeah. he's on the top line or not is a whole different story. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you know I I I like going to daily faceoff and stuff to check out the lines. It says that he's kind of on the second line with Strom and Vetrano, but I guess that's maybe not updated as normal. But yeah, you know Vetrano and Strom, you know not, Strom not so much, but Vetrano, you know I I know he's on a bad team. That doesn't matter here, Jason. <laughs> Anytime goal scorer, it's free cash. even if it's not on a site or anything with your friend who's a Ducks fan, make a small wager. You'll probably come out on the plus side of it. But, you know, I look at this lineup here. It's just, it's so weird because there's a lot to like. Adam Henrique's had a decent season. Mason McTavish is a good young player. Troy Terry has been awesome since coming up to the league. Trevor Zegras is amazing. Vetrano and Strom can score. You know, Jakob Silverberg, eh, okay, he's a bit older, but can still put the puck in the back of the net. Comtois is not bad. Max Jones, you know, defensively, it's not it's not too bad. So it really just has been coaching, you think, is the biggest um, issue. And also, what about John Gibson? Is he just still not gotten back to the way he used to be? Because it looks like it's been – that decline has gone <laughs> – so the Pittsburgh native has looked mortal yes. a lot this season. There have been games where if it wasn't for Gibby, it would be like nine to one, but instead mm-hmm. it's like five to one. Gibby has no defense in front of him. 
we knew going in that Klingberg was kind of a liability on defense. We didn't know it'd be this bad. We knew that the Ducks were going to decline a little bit in defense. We did not think it'd be this bad. We knew the Ducks would give up a lot of shots. They've given up 40-plus shots in more than half of their games. 23 out of 43. I threw up this stat the other day, that the Ducks have allowed 40-plus shots 23 times. The next three teams, the Coyotes, the Blue Jackets, the um, Blackhawks, they've given up 40-plus shots a combined 23 times. Yeah, the the tank for Bedard out there seems to be in full effect. I I feel like that team is going to be selling off a lot of assets at the deadline. I think Henrique, Klingberg, maybe Mm. Vachano. I don't, I don't think – Strom just signed a five-year deal. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He's not. But definitely, like, I feel like a couple of the forwards, they may try to get, like, a Raquel-like package back from one of them or something like that. Um, I'm sure you would expect – well, I, I actually asked – would you expect a coaching change after this season? Absolutely. Because Dallas Eakins only got a one-year extension. One year, and that's it. And we could talk a little bit more about Dallas Eakins, and I want to get to the Pittsburgh side, but we have got to talk. We've got to, you know, head to our first intermission. So we'll talk a little bit more about Dallas Eakins and get to the Penguins side of things on the other side. But first, or but first, let's talk about Athletic Greens. Now, um, I don't know if you're much of an athlete like I kind of am because I ran the marathon. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I mean, you know, I use it. I don't know if you use it a whole lot, but I use it. Kind of. You know, I used to be. I played, you know, a few sports, but I don't. Uh, it's been a while since I've really gone at it. <laughs> well, I mean, I still do my training here and there. And I use AG1 because, you know, I hate taking pills. I am not a pill person at all. Um, I wanted more energy, especially before that New York Marathon I did a couple months ago, whew, which was exhausting, by the way. So I bet you and your listeners are wondering, what the heck is AG1? Are you wondering what AG1 is? Yeah. Yeah. So it is a powder that you put into water. And with one scoop, you get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. And it's recommended by pro athletes like myself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a pro athlete. I'm an I'm amateur status. <laughs> I've run the marathon, but I'm not one of those pro runners. But it's recommended by professional athletes and amateur athletes like myself and has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So, you know, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And hey, Hunter, guess what? Guess what? You ready for this? Yep. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of athletic greens, of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I'll admit I used in New York. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. For those of you listening in Espanol, athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So you were talking about Dallas Eakins a little bit, and 
the issues that he's faced. Look, there are some coaches that are great at the AHL level, and they're not so good at the NHL level. I mean, there's coaches that are really good in the AHL level and have the same success in the NHL level, um, i.e. Um, Jared Bednar for the Avalanche. Yep. And then you have guys like Dallas Eakins, who just cannot figure it out on the NHL level. And most people were surprised that he came back for another year after those three years in Anaheim. So he's been at the bulk of the problem. I honestly think he's gone. Has he had a long leash? Yes. He's had a very, very, very long leash. Which is surprising. I mean, you've heard me talk about him for the past three years. The whole time I've talked about the Ducks in this podcast, all 670 episodes. Oh, God. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm at 620 now, I think. So I'm a little behind you. Can you imagine talking about a crappy team 670 times? No. At no, least I, your I, team I, has made the playoffs three consecutive years. At least. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I envy you. <laughs> That's no, you That's don't. Sure. No, you. No, I don't, don't. think. I, yeah, maybe not. I, I kind of do, but I also feel like at the same time I don't because your season ends a lot earlier than mine. So I'm like, oh, at least you have stuff to talk about in May. <laughs> I haven't had a team to talk about in May <laughs> since the goals in twenty. No, not even back then, because that was the shortened season i haven't hey. had a hockey team to talk about in may since starting this podcast Ugh. what were you gonna hey, say at least if you do fire eakins at the end of the season you can have a lot of discussions about who will be the next coach of the ducks and maybe you can have have fun about with barry trotz or something like that but i don't know if you go up <laughs> I, mm, I don't know i don't know i was hoping for a bedro comeback but you know <clears throat> you might be getting fire elliot friedman said on um the panel last night on Hockey Night in Canada that if the coaching change happens in a couple of weeks, it's going to be Rick Tockett that goes behind the bench there. So that be it, is, it is time for the Ducks to make a change. The Ducks did make a change last year to the Penguins. Actually, our two teams like to trade a lot, I've noticed, over the past few years. Um, the one that's the most recent that still pains me, Ricard Raquel, last year going to the Pens. Talk about the impact Raquel has made in Pittsburgh since being dealt. He's been great, um, Jason. Every, you know, he's exceeded expectations. It was actually interesting. I was listening to an interview that uh, I think Brian Burke had with Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick show. And they said like part of uh, Raquel's struggles towards the end of his Ducks tenure was due to, I think, um, some, I think it was like some virus he had or something like that, where he like lost a bunch of weight. Or something, and I think they knew about it, and they did their homework on it, and they said ever since like that went away, he's like rediscovered his game again, and they, they figured it would happen. And yeah, I mean, Ron Axel's made a lot of moves. I think most of them have been bad, but this one has was has been very good. He crushed mm-hmm. that move at the deadline. He was exactly what the Penguins needed. He's played a lot with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. Um, they've been flip flopping him um, <clears throat> between uh, the Crosby and Malkin line this year. I personally think he works better on the Crosby line. I think the numbers um, add up to him being better up there. Um, but, you know, he's been everything. He actually scored a very funny goal on Saturday night where Frederick Anderson got a little too cute. Batted, uh, batted a the little? Yeah, a little? Just Yeah, he got too cute. That, and that was, was a right blooper there. of the week. Was hilarious. <laughs> I just... 
He, I mean, they didn't deserve to get back in that game. They pushed in the third period after that, but you know, <clears throat> for someone that badly needed a goal, he had a, he hasn't been scoring as much um, lately. But you know, he'll take it. He needed that. He I, I would like for him to get more power play minutes, especially. I don't like that they continue to put Brian Rust up there for some. Thank reason. you. Thank you. Does not make any sense. And I, and I like Rusty. I mean, I think he's been great for his Bengals tenure, but for a lot of this year, he just hasn't had it. Um, I don't know if it's injury related or something else, but um, I think Mike Sullivan needs to notice that and keep putting Raquel on that top power play because he has been awesome. You know, he's, you know, ever since that trade, you know, he's just been a perfect fit. He's good on the power play. He, yeah. he did very well with, um, I think there was times where he was with Getzloff on the power play and you would see Ricky just get point after point on the power play back when the Dutch- he can whip it from that left, from that left wall, Jason, he, he yes. has a beautiful slap shot. Oh, I've, I watched him in warmups for years. I love watching those slappers during warmups. It's amazing. I miss it terribly. But, you know, going back to that stupid goal, if I could try to describe it, there was a goalie swat, and the puck just kind of like went in midair, and I don't know what that was. Yeah, I, I don't know. He he caught it, bat, bat, t- tried to hit it like a baseball bat, went right off Raquel sticking in. Um, no, they, they, they'll take that goal. They pushed after and they, they could have got tied the game, but you know, it, it was, it was funny. I'll, I'll take it. You know, even though they lost, that was obviously the highlight of the game, <laughs> um, at least for me, U- ugly game. Otherwise I didn't think the Penguins played now. Well, I thought they started the game fine, but Carolina started to take over after that. Um, another one goal loss to that team because every, um, game to them this year has been a one goal loss. And that, that's, if I recall correctly, that's the first time a divisional team has swept the Penguins in the Mike Sullivan era. It just Ooh. does not happen. Wow, that's a good stat. I didn't even realize. Yeah, that. I don't, I've I am trying to going back to 2015-16. I he has they've never been swept by a team in the division. Wow, they've always been at least a, 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 a divisional team once, at least once in a season. That's a testament to the coaching staff there as well. I mean Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh has had solid coaching for. The longest time. Actually, I feel like every coach that Pittsburgh's had, for the most part, has been pretty solid over the last maybe decade plus. Yeah, I mean, Sully's been mostly great. I I know the fan base right now is they're getting tired of it just because you know the people think the team's gone stale, and you know I've been criticizing Sully because you know his deployment this year has been questionable. You're icing Brian Dumoulin in late game situations when he should not be getting that much ice time. You should probably should not be icing at all when the defense yeah. when the defense gets healthy. They're without Marcus Pedersen, Chris Letang, and Jeff Petrie right now, which is very bad vibes. Um, Jeff Carter's been an albatross this season when he's not scoring empty net goals. He's not really giving you anything at five on five. Second power play, which I don't even know how he's on there. Late game situations, penalty killing. Um, you know, so there's definitely things you can criticize him for. But I don't think there's this notion that he's lost the room or anything like that or the team's not listening. I get that coaches have short shelf lives, but um, I just think he's been dealt a really bad hand. Some of his decision-making is not helping matters. But if I had to place, you know, who's to blame more for this these issues, part of it is on the coach and the coaching staff. But I would also say a, a more fair amount is on the general manager for um, – making constructing this roster over the offseason and you know just making the bottom six worse which, after Jim Rutherford left. Which is kind of the elephant in the room. You know, constructing mm-hmm. this roster, you notice that it's an older roster right now. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of it too. I mean, do you agree with the assessment 
that this team has begun to lose a step a little bit and the age is finally beginning to show a little bit. Yeah, definitely a little bit. I mean, Crosby's been himself this season, even though he's 35. Malkin's been very good. Latang, when he's been playing, has been good. I, I know some of the other, other players are older as well. It's just, you know, you should have an easier time putting a team together when you have the core guys available. You have the big three. You brought Ricard Raquel back. You brought Brian Russ back. You have Jason Zucker. You have Tristan Jari, who's decent when healthy. But, you know, all you need to do is just put together a good supporting cast of players, you know, around the core. It's just this general manager, ever since he was hired, has failed to do that, I think. And the bottom six has gotten worse year after year. I mean, you know, I can't help but think, I probably gonna, people are going to get mad at me, but, you know, Jared McCann's on a 40-something goal pace this year. They didn't protect him in the expansion draft. You easily could have kept him. You know, I was fine with letting Brandon Tanev go, and I was on the fence with both moves because they had a lot of cap space about it, but you didn't use your cap space to your advantage, and now look where you find yourself. Yep. When the team is healthy, they have $10,000 worth of cap space, and if they want to make a trade for someone, it's going to have to be dollar in, dollar out. They can't just do futures for something. They would have to trade players on the team. So I think it's just a poor job of roster construction, and I just don't know if the GM has what it takes to really fix what's going on with this team right now. From what I've read, they – excuse me, they want to see what they have when the guys come back. You know, I get it just because no one else is trading right now, but, you know, it's a bold strategy. If the team still stinks when these guys come back, then you really have a big problem. (laughs) I mean, it's funny when you talk about the GM like that because, you know, I think he's been around for – how long has he been around now? Uh, GM-wise, you know, he was in Philadelphia. I forget, like, the exact time frame, but it was a few solid seasons Got fired. Uh, was yeah. Was with the LA Kings, I believe, when they won the cup. Yeah, back in was the Flyers GM. Went back to the Kings. I believe was an advisor, and then Mario and Ron Burke were hired before the, the team was sold to the Fenway Sports Group. Um, I personally think if they don't make the playoffs this season, or if they're out on an early exit, uh, he's gone. You think I so? Think I don't think the Fenway Sports Group is going to keep him around. I've I've heard personally that they love Mike Sullivan. They have no interest in firing him. I mean, they just gave him a new deal this off season. Um, and you know, I've, funny enough, I've heard whispers that Mike Sullivan is also not happy with the GM. So, um, it's, well, it's, it, it's it, also hard to, rep- are high. I will say it's hard to replicate the success that Rutherford had. When, yeah. When I mean, he was, he was good for a bit. He lost his way toward the end. Like, let's not kid ourselves. He yeah. made some very weird moves toward the end of his tenure, quit on the team. But if you're asking me who I would rather have as the GM in his prime, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking Jim, even though he had some weird moves. <laughs> I think any Pens fan would take Jim in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because Jim probably would have made three to four trades by now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have he would be seething right now. That's just how he that's just how he was. I mean, the guy when they had a, a, a small losing streak just a couple years ago, um, early on in the season, not even around this time, he trades Carl Haglin for Tanner Pearson. Oh, why'd you do it, Jim? I wanted to shake up the locker room. Everyone hated the trade, but hey, at least he made it. <laughs> like this GM won't even do that. Kind of, kind of similar to Bob Murray a little bit before, <laughs> before Pat Verbeek came to the Ducks. I mean, that's how the Ducks era has started. Pat Verbeek made all those trades last deadline, including the one to the Penguins, when he blew up the team, essentially, like you said. And for Hextall, it's been, what, two years now, I think, for Hextall? Yeah, yeah two years. Verbeek is still in his first season. 
So it sounds like we're both kind of on the same boat, except for me, it's more on the coaching than the GM. For you, it sounds like it's more the GM than the coaching. Yeah, uh, the coaching definitely has played a role just because I haven't agreed with some of Mike Sullivan's decisions. And I think his deployment at times has been questionable for sure. But in terms of, I definitely think it's more of the, it's the, of the GM's fault than Mike Sullivan's. That's a good assessment. Um, we are up against it and it's starting to rain. Hey, how about that? <laughs> uh, speaking of rain, I don't know where this segue is going. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Penguins probably raining on the Ducks parade because we got to preview the matchup. So <laughs> we'll get to that on the other side. But first, uh, we're going to talk about Bet Online for now. Mm. <laughs> that's a small tease for something that's coming next week. So. Yeah. Um, Hunter, what can you tell us about Bet Online? Well, um, it's the- Jason, I can tell you a good amount about it, especially if you want to replace a anytime goal scorer for Frank Petrano for tomorrow, even if the Ducks lose. It's free cash. Uh, it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from the NFL, which Jason does not like that much, to the college bowl season, to the NBA. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. And BetOnline, for now, is the official yes. online sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. <clears throat> Don't put yes. your money on the ducks. Again, anytime goal score for Frank Vitrano tomorrow is easy cash. Just do it. So, so Jason, I know the Ducks have not done a lot of winning this season, but what are the keys for them to pull off a win against a struggling Penguins team? What what do they have to do here? <laughs> um, pray to the hockey gods that somehow, <laughs> maybe Frank Vitrano. Hey, you ready for this? The only stupid way for the Ducks to win this game is if Frank Vitrano gets a hat trick somehow. Well. <laughs> At PPG Paints. Is it still PPG Paints Arena? Is that what it's called right now? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is PPG. Okay. That's the only way the Ducks would win is if someone gets a multi-goal game. And if the defense actually gives a damn against the Pens. That's their key to success is actually defend for once. And maybe not give up 40 shots on goal. And maybe don't give up. You ready for this? Don't give up 15 plus slot shots. I wish I was kidding, Hunter. I wish I was. They're That's averaging really they're averaging double digit slot shots per game this season. <sighs> Almost sounds like they give up the same number of high danger chances per game as well from like right in front of the net, which is just that's not and, you know, the Penguins' history has actually been on their side against the Ducks. They've won four of their last five against them. Including and that one nothing game. Yes, that was, one, that was one of them. That was when Brock McGinn scored last year in Pittsburgh, and the Penguins have also won 11 of their last 16 against the Ducks, dating back to 2013, according to the Penguins' PR team. And I love, of course, getting their emails for all their amazing stats. And the Penguins are also 7-2 at home against Western Conference teams this season, and they've won 9 of their last 11 games against Western Conference teams overall. 
Um, their last loss, though, they did fall to the Winnipeg Jets, who are good. I don't know how much I believe in them, but they are playing some very good hockey this year. They're well coached, and um, <clears throat> you know that's just how it is. Yeah. But you know, I guess from a Penguins perspective, they need to actually start games on time. That has been a massive issue over these last few weeks. They come out of the gate, they skate in mud. It looks like they went to Howl at the Moon downtown the night before, and they're just getting over their hangovers, and they don't turn it on until later on in the game. It is a problem that needs to be fixed immediately. No better way to do it than welcoming in one of the worst teams in the league who's tanking for Connor Bedard. You have to start fast here. Could you get away with it and win the game? Yeah, you probably could. You probably could. Probably. Yeah, I still want to see this team actually start fast. Please get good goaltending. I know Casey DeSmith only gave up two against the Hurricanes on Saturday night. First one, though, he probably shouldn't have. I didn't like the goal that he gave up. He made some other good saves. It's just some of the ones he lets in are the ones he probably should have. Um, So they need those two things. And the power play, this has been the power play lately, uh, Jason. That that is what it has been, a giant facepalm of barf. (laughs) Everything about it stinks. It is a tire fire unit. They had a six on four last night towards the end of the game. One minute left. Face offs in your own zone. You can't even get zone entries to get shots off. They didn't even get a single shot uh, shot or shot attempt off in those final six. Wait, 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 wait. A, a six yeah. on four? A, yeah, six, they a had... six on something? Do you know when was the last time the Ducks pulled their goalie? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Every Ducks game has been a blowout loss. Uh, I'm wait. telling you. They, the Hurricanes took a penalty with 62 seconds left. The Penguins had faceoffs in the Hurricane zone. They would clean them out, send it back down. The Penguins would come back, not even be able to gain the zone. Oh, it's going back the other way every single time. You know, you know where the Ducks are not going to have success? The power play. Now, from the few Penguins games that I've watched, they do something on the penalty kill that I really like. And it is very similar to the Dallas Stars. So if you want to correct me on this, um, you can. But from what I've seen so far, the Penguins don't exactly do a box as far as the penalty kill. They do what Dallas does. They kind of have a modified diamond on their PK. That is, yeah, that is what it is. They run the diamond. They run the diamond, which is much more effective than the Ducks PK, which is scattered or all on one side for some reason. No, the Diamond, especially in Pittsburgh and Dallas, those are the two teams that I think utilize it the best because they don't um, they don't drop back as much. No. Um, if someone's behind the net on the power play, you're at least going to have one of those guys just kind of peel off a little bit towards the back, which is smart, which is the right play. Um. Is my assessment of that fair? Yes, they, they, they do run an aggressive diamond. Um, it can get exposed if it goes up against one of the very good power plays like the Rangers last season. It did not look good. I thought the Penguins were too passive against them. But um, <clears throat> ever since Teddy Bruger came back in the lineup, and I know his offensive shortcomings are bad this season, he's been great defensively and on the penalty kill. Um, they do a great job. They, they run that bop diamond slash box, whatever, and they – box out that slot high danger area so none of those chances get there so you have to be shooting from the point from the side other side that's how they want to do it and it went through over some rough struggles early on but it's a top five unit in the league now 
oh, it's easily a top five PK unit. And one thing yeah. that, I've, that I've noticed as far as the Penguins PK, which makes me insanely jealous, is they have some of the best active sticks in the league, especially mm. on the PK. You got, you know, Blue, like I said, they got guys with long sticks on both PK units, which is super effective. I know Pokemon reference there. All the shots that I've seen against them have been stupid angle shots that don't even get through anyway, which explains why the Penguins don't get a lot of shots against in general. I mean, yes, it makes the goalies look like they have a good defense in front, which they do. But that's something I think is going to bring the Ducks a lot of pain because if you've noticed, the Ducks are dead last on power play and almost dead last on penalty killing because the Ducks do not use any form of the diamond and whatever PK they use, it's not really aggressive. Sorry to say that Ducks fans, but it's not. No, I shouldn't say that. Sorry for this joke. The Ducks are aggressive at going on one side of the ice and leaving someone completely open on the other side, which has happened a lot recently. So Ducks, be careful of that Raquel one-timer. On the power play, don't leave them open. Yeah, if if they decide to put Raquel on the top unit uh, for that game again, they've been juggling that up and down. It's very Tarudin has just been galaxy rating his power play lately, and it just really makes me mad. Everything about again, like, they had a five on three for a minute and a half at the end of the second period last night, and they overpassed probably seven thousand times. I'm like, please. Just keep it simple. Stop looking for the Harlem Globetrotter play. Welcome to the Ducks. <laughs> Welcome. Put the puck on that. Ugh. Welcome to the Ducks power play. It's that, that is what the Penguins power play has been lately. It's just, it's a tire fire. They've had, and they have fun, good stretches too. That's the thing. It's so Jekyll and Hyde. It makes you feel like, oh, they're going to turn the corner and be so consistent. Nope. You have games where they go 0 for 9 against the Devils. You go 0 for, you know, they go 1 for like 5 last night against the Hurricanes. Before that against the Jets. Anytime like it could get the momentum, it just goes in the opposite direction. Ooh, it's ooh. awful. Can I tell you the secret to beating yeah. the Ducks on the power play? <laughs> move around. I'm not saying move <laughs> the puck around. I'm saying physically move around. For some reason, when players start skating and cr- and making those cross-ice transitions or switching your bumper position with one of the wings... That's when the Ducks get lost, and that's when they start getting over-aggressive and have all yeah. four guys on one side. That's all you have to do is just move around, and you're almost guaranteed to score on the Ducks on the power play. Ugh. So at least yeah. the, if the Pens move around, it's over. If they can't score a power play goal on the Ducks, which is the rank dead last in the league, then you know I don't know how much hope I have uh, for that unit for the rest of the season. I'll say that. Um <laughs> Uh, I assume you're probably going to pick the Ducks to lose this game. Oh, how well you know me. Yeah, I'm picking the Ducks to lose. I'm picking Pittsburgh, obviously. And it's not going to go into overtime or anything. It's going to be a Pucks domination. I'm going to say it's going to be 6-2 to two again. Okay. We're going to give the Ducks go, some garbage time goals at the end. I'll go a little more conservative. I'll say 4-2 Pittsburgh. I don't think it's they're going to get. I don't think they're going to fully blow blow them out. I think it's going to be a little closer to the end, but I think the Penguins do get that insurance goal. Well, maybe maybe not an insurance goal, oh, but they win by at least two at the end. That's right. You have said the Pens tend to have slow starts. Yes. Yeah. I'll change it. 5-2. to two. 
Okay. I'll do, I'll do four two. I don't think they're going to fully blow them out, but I do think they will win that game and get back on the winning track. They have a schedule here that is favorable to them to the end of this month. Um, they need to start winning some games and getting some guys back very quickly. I think the Ducks might pull a reverse Seattle Kraken on this road trip. Can I tell you the Ducks' road trip before we head off? Yes. The Ducks have a six-game roadie. They are at Pittsburgh, probably going to lose, at Philadelphia, meh, at Columbus, at Buffalo, at Arizona, at Colorado. If the Ducks don't get at least five points on this road trip, then they're done. Yeah, I mean, you you play some bad teams there. Philadelphia is not good. Columbus Columbus is tanking. Arizona is not good. Those are three winnable games. Or if the Ducks really want to embrace the tank, (laughs) I'll leave it at that. There you go. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And this, this could be a turnaround game for the Pens, too. Like, this feels like a turnaround game. They need it. it could, yeah, I mean, they, they could use I mean, I know at the end of the day, everyone will say it's the Ducks and all that. But, you know, they, they need to, again, they need to string some wins together here. It's been bad hockey for the last several weeks. It's not good enough. And I know some guys are out, but they need to really start making some points here because, you know, this division is a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Um, they, they have to win this game. Yeah, a division where I think five teams make the playoffs. Those two wild yes. cards will five come sure. from that think, division. And I don't think it's going to be 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, and I look forward to talking to you later in the season when it gets closer to playoff time. Because I, I know our two teams play again later this year. Which yep. the Ducks that's the California road trip. I think that's next month. Uh, I think it's in... Yes, usually in February or March that the pens come out. Yeah, it's one of the two. I know it's I think I think it's next month they have the California trip, but it might be March. Yeah, because I typically that's right. I was there last year. I, I saw that's some right. games. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um our our friend, well, you know, <laughs> friend of the program well <laughs> Sarah Avampato, who's just a sweetheart. She told me all about the warm-ups like okay watch like he actually told me like hey watch crosby warm up watch him warm up he yes. told me all about that what the sid heck what the heck that has a crazy routine it's he does it every game he's just hilarious it's such a silly routine <coughs> he's superstitious for a reason then again i shouldn't say anything because i have my own superstitions at coachella valley which i'll talk about on a non-crossover or yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm starting to get my own quirks. Anyway, we're way over time, but it was it was a fun one. Yes, this was good. Uh, should be a fun game. I'm hoping they get tickets for it. Um, they're they're actually again, this is a cheap enough game to go for sure. Um, hoping to be there, and this, this hopefully will not be the blowout that I think Jason is expecting. I'm expecting it. I am. Yeah, one one of our teams is a dumpster fire, and the other one is in Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, that's okay. That's not bad. You have got to cover playoff hockey. Anyway, um, where can the fine folks find you and where can they find your podcast? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. You can find the podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon um, Music. Uh, what was that other one you said earlier on? 
Yes, I, all I, of them. All of them. I think I think I got all of them. Yes, I I thought you said something else earlier on that. Oh, I don't Odyssey. Understand. Yes, I'll put that in there as well. I I feel like I never say that one, but it's okay. Um, where can all the fine Penguins fans here find your show? They can find the shoe at l o underscore ducks on Twitter, and they can also find Locked On Anaheim Ducks wherever they get your podcast. And please put Locked On Anaheim Ducks because we don't care about that Pac twelve team. <laughs> sorry sorry Oregon fans and you can find me on Twitter my personal Twitter is at StimpyJD right down there and as I mentioned a bit of personal news that you know I think some people missed but for the Pen- for the Pens fans that are maybe AHL fans maybe there's some Wilkes-Barre fans out there I am now the public address voice of the Coachella Valley Firebirds who are by the way Tops in the AHL. Perfect. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> yes, it was. This was great. And on behalf of Hunter and myself, for Locked On Pens and Locked On Ducks, that was Hunter Hodes right over there. And I'm JD Hernandez saying have a great rest of the night. Have a good, have a good week, everyone. Please continue to be safe out there. Be kind to one another. And Ducks and Penguins fly together because they're both birds (laughs) one doesn't fly though come on (laughs) 